Let's have a sincere conversation about events across the nation and topics for our own morality. Let's openly discuss in an environment of trust where perception is reality. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Perception is Reality. It's your host, David, back again. And today, I'm very excited to welcome my new friend, Janet Mohappy-Banks. Thanks for being here, Janet. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's exciting. It is. Um, so I just want to tell people about you real quick, and then I'm going to ask where you are in the world, because I like people to know where we're talking to and from. Um, but Janet is a best-selling author, speaker, and superhero coach. And spoiler alert, in the green room, um, because you all know I don't really like to know a whole lot about my guests, but I did mention Edna Modes already because everybody knows you should not wear a cape if you're a superhero, bad things happen. Janet assured me that she is a capeless superhero, but still a superhero nonetheless. <laughs> Absolutely. So Janet, where in the world are you calling from today? Right now I am calling from a very, very rainy Cornwall in the UK. Um, so it's right at the bottom of the UK. Mm, yes. Um, for me, my daughter and I were, were quite familiar with the UK, well, my wife, daughter, and I, uh, my son, not so much, but uh, Marissa and I, that's my daughter, we like to watch the best show ever, which is the Great British Baking Show. So we always look up where every one of the contestants is from. And last season, there was a nice woman from Cornwall. And uh, she assures me they have the best cheddar cheese there in the world. Yes. No, the cheese is quite good, I have to say. Yeah. So. And she made a lot of her dishes with, with cheese and she made local Cornwall ingredients and stuff. It was very nice to watch. Ah, yeah, no, um, is, fun fact, um, where in my previous career, I used to be a luxury cake designer and I was invited to be on the very first series of the Great British Bake Off. Um, but, I, but I declined the invitation. Fancy that. <laughs> um, I... I uh... The right word that I'm going to use, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it or not, but I'm a little verklempt right now. That means I'm a little choked up. Um, I, I, and, 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 and my heart just like sank a little bit because I could be talking to, I mean, you're awesome, but like a, a great British baking, you should do it just for fun. Say again? You should do the show just for fun. Oh, well, no, I've moved on from baking now. I'm no longer a, a luxury cake designer. So, yeah. My chance well, is gone. Is it? I would say mm. that it's still an integral part of units. Who made you art today? And, well, all right. I'm not going to push it too far. It's fine. It's fine. No. It's Onwards fine. and forever forwards is Onwards one of my, and, um, my mottos. So, yeah. I will go with it. All right. Um, I'm going to go with it. So, <laughs> Janet, why don't you, before people forget, because I don't like to wait until the end, why don't you tell people um, where about where they can find you and what they should be looking for? Okay, so um, as you said earlier, I'm a superhero coach, and you can find more information about that on my website, which is JanetMohappyBanksCoaching.com um, or Facebook. And I'm also a best-selling um, international author for my book, Habits for Happiness, which can be found on Amazon. Wonderful. So everybody should go look for that. Um, 
Jan and I will wait while you pause the episode to go buy that stuff. So we'll wait. <laughs> all right. And we're back. Hopefully you've all purchased your stuff by now. Um, so Janet, what are we going to talk about today? Oh, I would really like to talk about happiness and the myth that we are fed about happiness. That's very interesting. I talked to um, somebody else very early on in season one about happiness. She's a happiness. Oh, she's going to so be upset with me because I forgot. Um, but she's a happiness coach. And we talked about how uh, happiness is a myth. Ooh, oh, that's interesting. That's a different take than mine. Because I don't yeah. think happiness is a myth. Um, I think happiness is very, very real. But we are, what we're taught about happiness is the myth. You know, because we're taught that happiness can be bought. <laughs> and it's not, it's not the case. We're taught that, you know, when you have the job, when you have the house, when you have the 2.4 kids and half a dog, then um, you will be happy. And for an awful lot of people, that's not the case at all. That's not what makes them happy. Ticking off other people's checklist of, you know, this is what success looks like, this is what happiness looks like, isn't necessarily your own, um, your own happiness or your own measure of success. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. I have a real life example that you're going to help me with today. But Taylor, let me just specify what Taylor was saying. Taylor was saying that being happy 100% of the time is a myth that you don't, she, she helps people find happiness, but what she wants that, what she wanted them to know is you don't need to be happy 100%. It's not being happy 100% of the time is sustainable. You have other emotions and they're allowed to take a role. They don't need to become the dominant player, but attaining a level of happiness. And I'm just going to use the David analogy, Taylor. I mean, she's so much, all my guests are so much smarter than I am. So what she was saying is it's like running. I'm going to, again, this is my version of what she said was like being happy all the time is like running your car, no matter where you are at 120 for you, I'll just say kilometers per hour. Um, all the time. Oh, no, we use miles. In the all UK, right, we use miles. Perfect. Miles per hour. So you're at 120 miles per hour all the time, no matter what. The minute you get in the car, you turn it on, and it's like you just screech your wheels, and you're at 120 instantaneously. It's like driving a Tesla all the time in insane mode. She's like, that's not sustainable. It's okay to be content. Hmm. So yeah, that was no, her view. I, then. But yeah, no, I, I, I would agree with that. I would. I agree. like. I had a feeling you might, but I like where you, what we're going to talk about today is because happiness can't be bought. Yes. Basically, that's what I, I wrote. I do take notes and I do my best with them because it's hard to take notes and fully pay attention. So I try to balance like, so I, you know, cause these conversations are good, which is why they go so long. But anyway, um, so let's talk about that. Let me, can I start with my real life example? Yes, absolutely. So, Please do. I'm a cyclist. And I have a really nice bike. And I've been thinking about, it's got really nice components, but I've been, but it's got the stock wheels that came with it. And the stock wheels that came with it aren't necessarily, they're good, but they could be better. Um, and for me, where I live, uh, the roads are quite bumpy. So I get a lot of vibration in my hand. So I've upgraded my bar tape. But... I want to move from an alloy wheel to a carbon fiber wheel and why that 
matters is because it helps dampen the road vibrations and it'll help with the numbness if I get my hands on longer rides. So I'm looking at two brands. I'm looking at one brand in particular, which is like a bargain brand. It's it's a new brand that just started a couple years ago. Um, and they have from all seemingly reviews of and they're the United Kingdom brand. So all the reviews from all of the, the, the UK and the Australian websites, like these are great wheels. However, they don't have I mean, they're good wheels, but they don't have that brand recognition mm -hmm. on it. So I'm like, well, does it matter? So in my head, this is my internal struggle today is that there's a great Black Friday sale because I'm in the U.S. and we had Thanksgiving and the day after Thanksgiving, everybody's supposed to spend all their money they earned for the whole year. So, of course, that's going to happen. Uh, but there's there's great sales and I've been waiting and I'm not in a hurry to buy this, but I'm stuck on. So let me just put it to you this way. So for say, I think it's um, 514 pounds. Um, I can get this nice wheel set, but for almost double, like if I get in a thousand dollar pounds, I can get the name brand, one of the name brands with only marginally better components. It is a better wheel set, but it's only marginally better. And for my my athleticism, you know, I'm not out winning. I'm I'm an I'm an ancient person right now. I'm 47 or 48, whatever it is. I don't like to do math in public, but so I'm not going to be out winning races. I rides by myself. I, I'm I'm a respectable cyclist, so the, those marginal improvements aren't going to be needed but yet i don't know why i can't get my brain beyond that and just say okay well i can save like half price and get a great wheel set what's my problem janet ready go well it's, i don't think it's a problem <laughs> <laughs> i think it's, it's an issue of what you find important so the question would be why is the brand branded wheels important and see that's my problem i asked i was asking myself that this morning i get up quite early um i and and i i'm in houston so i'm in central time i get up every day at 5 a.m regardless of the day yeah. uh, <laughs> that's nasty <laughs> well my wife and daughter are both up at their teachers um and they teach in an online application uh they teach english to kids in china so they're yeah. up at four o'clock every day so i oh. think i'm sleeping in um <laughs> But, for, I, I, and I mean this in all sincerity, like for the, for the past, what has it been, three hours, give or take, uh, I've been struggling with why does this matter? The marginal yeah. improvements aren't, don't necessitate a double the price. And I don't, my, this is where my brain goes off. My, the train in my head has gone off the rails. It's stuck on this one problem that I don't understand the answer to. Why does it even matter? Because I'm sure I would be perfectly happy with this wheel set. It's better than the wheels oh, that I that's have. That's it, right? So you might not be. You might not be happy with the unbranded set because somewhere deep inside of you, you've got this value placed on branding. Well, okay. You know? So you just, uh, hearing you say it made me think of something. So I, I'm also, I collect guitars and I collect mm -hmm. watches. Okay. And I also play play the guitar. So what I've learned over the years is that you get what you pay for. And in the in the world of guitars and musical instruments, you truly do get what you pay for. So for years and years in my youth, I couldn't afford uh, well-made guitars. I just had to buy the entry-level guitars. 
and an entry-level guitar or mandolin or ukulele or whatever stringed instrument that's that's what i play stringed instrument when you buy them the quality isn't as good the string heights off the frets are need to be need need to be sanded um you get you get less Mm -hmm. so now that i'm an old man and i can afford these things because the kids are off in, in university um like I, I've really appreciated buying uh, quality instruments. Now, I didn't break the bank on any of my instruments. I mean, I, as far as musical instruments go, I think I am sub fifteen hundred dollars for for all of for. Well, I'm trying to sell some. I need to thin the herd. I'm not going to lie, Janet. I have a problem. Um, but I think is that where this is coming from? Because yeah. I've been bitten because like the guitars, like they're so hard to play because string height. Mm-hmm. You and by the time you're done pressing the string, you're a half a step off anyway, and it doesn't sound out of tune when it's really not. Yeah. No, I, I play the guitar as well, and I, I totally hear what you're saying there. And yes, so you've built up this belief that you get what you pay for. The more money you pay, the better the quality of the product. And that's the belief that you hold. So that's why I believe you are finding it tricky to save yourself, you know, like, what was it, $500? Yes. Um on the unbranded things because <coughs> excuse me my voice is gone <coughs> um yeah because your belief system is saying no i've got to have a good brand if i have a good brand then i'll get more from it it'll be a better product i'll feel better if i have a brand is that why <laughs> i keep reading your, no no i'm saying because you're making sense that's what we're i mean isn't that not what we're here to talk about today is like yeah. I can't buy happiness. So like can't buy happiness. I, I've read probably, I mean, like I, I'm, I've watched videos, I've watched all sorts of things. And these people who are much, um, you know, they're, they're, some have been paid, uh, some have ad- admitted that the, uh, the brand has paid advert for advertisements in their publications. And some are like, they're, they're not, um, but they send us these wheels to test that so we're going to, you know, Hey, we're going to test them free wheels mm-hmm. and everybody's really liked them and they've rated well. Right. So I don't know. I'm like, well, I don't know. All See, right, but, so. but a belief, I mean, I mean, all a belief is, is a thought that we've thought a thousand times. Yes. Um, so you've kept this belief going, this thought that, you know, I, I need the, the, a better guitar. I really need a better guitar. Then I'll be able to play better. And I know, and, you know, like I say, I've played the guitar. I completely understand that. Um, but two things aren't necessarily comparable, playing a guitar and a wheel set, you know? That's absolutely um, true. So I don't know. You just have to use your judgment on that. But it's beliefs, beliefs can only be changed through repeated repeatedly thinking a different thought yeah and i'm not saying that your belief that you know you get what you pay for isn't a true in inverted commas because i don't actually believe in believe in the truth um i think a truth is very subjective to depending on who you talk to and the perception filter that their lives have been running through um but yeah you have this belief that you get what you pay for it's been You've, it's been your predominant thought for a, a long time. 
So that's the problem that you're having. Because on the one hand, I believe anyway, um, on the one hand, you have this belief, you get what you pay for. And on the other hand, you're reading all these amazing reviews thinking, but I could save 500 pounds. Yeah, mm -hmm. but you get what you pay for. But I could save all that money. And they're, they're only, you know, marginally worse. But you get what you pay for. Is that what's going on in your head? It, it is. And talking about the guitar. So, I mean, I, I've taken, I actually... Um, imported guitars and sold them like I've quite I've I had quite an extensive collection and I've got it down to six and hopefully after this weekend I've listed three I'll have it down to three or possibly two we'll see and then I'm going to stick with just those two because they're the other than I have one electric and one acoustic that I just play and I'll mm -hmm. just say this to people that it's by spending the more money on the guitar I don't play any better it's easier to play <laughs> yeah I mean, that, my, that's, you know, I mean, that's what money brings yeah. you. My money, skill money level, choice and ease. yeah, my skill level didn't go up, but the, it's easier yeah. to play these guitars because it's, it just, it just is. Um, but if it's easier to play, then don't you feel better playing them? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I feel much better playing yeah. these because they're easier to play. So yeah. I know in my mind with these wheels that no matter what wheels I get, they're going to roll better than the wheels that I have today. And I know why that I want them. It's more utilitarian than it is like speed and performance. It'll be an upgrade and I'm sure that I'll see a benefit, but that's not why I'm after them. Um, for, for the speed increase, it's just more comfort and rideability for what I do and then the terrain that I ride in. Uh, but yeah. David's stuck, so I'll have to think about that. So, I'll but have okay, to think so I, I think you should ask yourself this what could possibly go wrong if you buy the cheaper set? What effect will that really have on you as, as a person, on you know, your bikeability and all of that jazz? Well, if their quality lives up to, because now that the brand's been out there for three years um, and the stores that the two stores that sell them, have quite a good reputation they're great stores so the return policy is good they even have a crash rating so what would happen if i bought them hmm. i'd buy them i'd be disappointed i'd have to send them back that's worst case scenario i mean there's a 60-day ride guarantee so i don't know wow okay so actually by going for the cheaper set you're not really going to lose anything are you by giving them a go no. no i would say probably not i mean honestly probably not i mean think it would be better yes Thank oh by you. the way that's part of the reason i'm i'm thinning the 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 herd of guitars is because just selling one of those guitars will pay for these this set of wheels <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's that's how we do things here so i don't have to uh ask boss permission <laughs> awesome. so um Janet, what other, so we've talked, we've, we've worked through David's psyche today, and we can go back to that if you need to use it as a real example, but what other misconceptions would you like to dispel today? Um, yeah, no, it's basically, I mean, I think the whole, the whole issue of um, passion, purpose, and happiness, because they all kind of lump into one thing. Um, I think that there is a huge misconception about them all. So, as far as I'm concerned, and this is, you know, one of the things that I've written about in the book, is that your passion and your purpose comes from the feelings that you have when you're doing them. 
Yeah. So like your passion isn't the job, it isn't the hobby, it isn't, you know, the the boy or the girl. It's it's the way that you feel when you're doing these things. Um and again, you know, and your purpose is always led by your passion. It should always be led by your joy and your happiness. And again, we're not taught that. We're not taught that from a you know a young age. We are taught to get the job, to conform to society, to um, to work on our weakest subjects rather than our strongest, yeah, yeah. And I uh, think that you know that that just teaches you that you're that you're incapable when you when you concentrate fully on your weakest things. It teaches you that life is hard, and that you know that there isn't joy in achievement because you've had to work really hard and slog and feel rubbish about yourself while you're doing it. Whereas if you focus on what brings us joy what brings us happiness what what gets that energy feeling you know that excitement that you feel you know like when you go riding your bike david mm-hmm. right when you you know when you um think about riding a bike when you think about buying these new wheels what sensations do you have in your body oh i'm sure well when i'm out riding i really enjoy the freedom mm-hmm. a bicycle bicycle transportation so bicycle having a bike and having a car represents freedom to me mm-hmm. so when i'm out i just feel free when i'm out riding in particular the winds in my face when it's not too cold for me because if it's too cold then i can't breathe but um if it's a nice houston day somewhere in the 85 degree fahrenheit range which is too hot for most riders but i'm not most riders like I'm feeling good. Like I'm going the sun shining down. Like things are great. Right. Yeah. So you know what that feels like. You know, you know, the the adrenaline rush that you get from doing that, that sense of calm and freedom and you know, lowered stress levels and all of that that you get from riding your bike. So then when you can anchor into that feeling and think, okay, so this is an awesome feeling. I love feeling like this. You know, like I need to feel like this or I want to feel like this more often. What else makes me feel like this? Then by doing that, that's how you develop your, your long-term sustainable happiness. Because, you know, like I said before, happiness can't be bought, but I'm not, that's nothing to say, you know, nothing against money. I love money. Money is awesome. Having money is wonderful. And I think everybody should set out to be a millionaire. I really do. Because it gives you the freedom, because it gives you the choices. Yeah. It makes life easier. And, you know, making your life easier, I think, is, is the name of the game. I don't want to work hard anymore. I did that and it very nearly killed me. Um, yeah, so following your joy, following those, those feelings of, of bliss, of, of that freedom, like you said, you know, that is what will bring you long-term, long-term happiness. Because when you buy like a shiny object, like we're taught to buy, <laughs> buy this and it'll make you feel better. Um, it, it, the, the happiness that you get from doing things like that is so short-lived. It's a really shallow form of happiness. So when you have this sort of extended happiness, because you have been following the feelings of joy, of freedom, of, you know, of just feeling awesome, then yeah, you can buy the shiny objects, but when the when the shine wears off of them, you still have the same feelings of joy and happiness. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So 
I do know a lot of people that use shopping as therapy. Um, and one of the things, uh, so have, have you ever seen the TV show it's on, in the U.S. called The Good Place? And that's okay if you have. Oh, The so, Good Place yes. with Ted Danson? Yes. Yes, I love it. <laughs> so sometimes I feel like cheaty uh, and I okay. overthink things. Could be as right now you were saying all of these things that made a lot of sense. And one of the sentences I wrote down was, am I buying the wheels to be happier? And I, and so the, uh, sometimes I, I go into cheaty mode and I don't know <laughs> if I'll be able to make a decision. And what will probably happen is I probably won't buy the wheels because I'll justify it down and say, well, my wheels are perfectly capable of getting me there. And you know, the hand numbness that I get from all the road vibration, um, eh, I'll just wear thicker gloves or something. I don't know. But um, no, that makes perfect sense. But I do know people who truly like when they're not feeling well, they just go out to Amazon and they just buy things. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're taught oh. to do that. We're taught oh. to fill. Yeah, instead, of, instead of identifying what the hole is that needs to be filled, we, we fill it with like, you know, sort of a drug of choice. And that drug of choice could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be food. It could be shopping. It could be, you know, um, rampant sex with everybody you see. Um, it's just filling a hole, a hole where your happiness should be. So that hole, mm. you're saying, so you've got passion, purpose, and happiness. And we've got purposes led by your passion. Mm -hmm. And fulfilling that passion will lead to just, it just, happiness just comes from it yeah. innately, and yeah. it'll just be there. Yeah. So how do people go through and identify their whole? Like what is their, I mean, so they can identify their triggers. Like, I mean, those people listening, you know, if you've got your finger on the Amazon button and you're, and you're buying, you know, some weird thing, some pen that writes underwater upside down <laughs> in a lava tube, then, you know, that's not a practical gift for anybody. So that might be it. Or if you're, you know, have a sugar problem like I, I definitely have a problem with sugar um, yeah. but that uh, that was the great American myth that was bad is bad sugar's good so, yeah 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 you, know, you get a taste for sugar and then it's all no, over sugar is bad fat is good <laughs> right um, and then there now there's everything in moderation it's like oh my god I don't know what to eat so I'm just gonna eat if it's green I'm gonna eat it I don't care green M&Ms broccoli Brussels sprouts it's all the same um, so how do people identify and fill that hole? Like, I mean, well, not fill it. How, we know how they're going to fill it because they're going to, but how do they identify their triggers, I guess? So how do they identify where, where they, yeah, what their unhappiness is? Is that what you're yeah, asking? Yeah. Where's, how do you take a look? And because I always like to say, um, I do a lot of coaching in, in a work environment and I do a lot of career counseling for people who want to move up and, and just, I don't, it's all work related or it's just referrals from friends who I've helped or whatever, just to, to help them with their careers. I don't get into anything quite so important as what we're talking about, but I do tell them to, uh, if they want to do whatever they want to do, whether it's get a promotion or go do whatever, um, they need to take a look in the mirror. Mm -hmm. So I talk about like, you really have to look in the mirror and see what you, you know, don't, don't just like see what's on the surface you got to really look into the mirror what do you really want 
-hmm. How do we get people to the mirrors? As, am I off base on my no. thought when I tell people that? No, no, not at all. Um, but the way that I work, because I work with um, mindset, energy work, um, and sort of metaphysics as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it's all in the way that you feel. So as you go through your day, yeah, you just you just take note. Okay, so I'm doing this. I'm doing like you know sort of whatever a, um, and I'm feeling this way. Okay, well, does that light me up or does it um, does it bring me down a bit? Do I feel energized by doing this or do I feel depleted? And by doing that, as you go through your day, um, then you'll just work out gradually. Okay, so this makes me feel really bad. Actually, I don't really like doing that. This makes me feel really good. I should incorporate more of doing this sort of thing in my life. And then you actually work out what it is that you like, because so many people have just forgotten. We, you know, we live in this world where we're taught to conform all the time, and you just forget. You forget what makes you you what makes you the you know the unique uh, superhero that you were born to be because you're always taught to you know quieten down there quieten down and you know and you're given all these suggestions of of what um of how you should be and how you should behave and what you should like and what you should do and we've just forgotten i think as a as a whole species you know the whole of the human race we've just kind of forgotten how to really tap into us and recognize the energy that we hold that makes us feel good and the energy that we hold that makes us feel bad and the things that we do um, that, that bring upon those two feelings. So if you can incorporate more of the things in your life and more of the things in your day that make you feel good, then that will give you a hint as to, as to where your happiness truly lies. Yeah. Because if we're constantly doing things that deplete our energy, if we're constantly, you know, putting on a brave face, that's something that I used to do a lot, you know, smile through the pain type thing, um, then you just forget. You forget what makes you happy. You know, like depressed people, because I, I used to be depressed a lot. Um, and, you know, I literally forgot. I literally forgot how to be happy. True. Because I wasn't that, used to it. Yeah. No, I can see that with some people because they've been unhappy for so long that it's yeah. like uh, one thing that I also talk about is called the new normal, like a state of constant unhappiness becomes their new normal. So they yeah, perceive absolutely. that to be their new normal when it's really not mm -hmm. normal to yeah. be unhappy it really all the time. But, and again, is it is it normal to be happy all the time because no. I, I have this no, theory no, that... I completely agree with um, your guest Taylor was it Taylor yeah, yeah. it was Taylor yeah. yeah no you know we have a full range of emotions and we're supposed to experience all of them we really are um, you know and the and the feelings of um, anxiety and stress and depression and sadness and all of those all of those feelings are really necessary to point us back in the direction of happiness oh I'm feeling really down okay so what am I down about what happened what what triggered this down feeling what thought triggered this down feeling okay so then when you have that awareness when you have that realization of what makes you feel that way then you can choose the opposite and more yeah so you know, bad emotions, I don't think, not bad, again, good and bad is, again, something that I don't really believe in. Um, it's, again, it's a perception thing, yeah? Mm -hmm. So um, anything that, if you're feeling in a way that you would rather not feel, 
then that's your opportunity to go okay so how can i how else can i feel how can i choose a different thought how can i choose a different activity to to make me feel a different way so you know it's it's not natural to be completely happy all the time you know you literally get sectioned it happened to me um so you you have to have you have to have the full spectrum you know we are full mm -hmm. spectrum beings I think so for me, I don't know if this is the right word or not, but I feel like being content is somewhere like middle ground between happy and unhappy. Um, well, see, it's tricky because content. I don't know. Does the word content fill you with joy? Well, not fill, but it doesn't make me feel unhappy because like if I'm content, then I'm going to, in my mind, because I'm me um i might stop all the questioning that i do all the time i'm constantly analyzing and and questioning everything right you go through your cheating moments yes because yeah. you know you gotta i'm not quite as bad as him i make i can i can make a decision but there you know when when push comes to shove i'll, I'll make the decision but it's only when these decisions like like the wheel set like now, I got to think about why the whys. I'll re I'll reexamine my whys. But in general, I'm I'm pretty good about making making decisions. But um, you know, content is you know I'm why 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 is it wrong to be okay with things? I mean, and not have to be on. Like, what's the right's the right middle word to use then there? Like, cause okay. I feel no, like if I, you're happy all the time, there's nowhere to go but down. <laughs> yeah but down isn't necessarily bad yeah it's again it's okay so again with right and wrong that's another mm -hmm. you know i don't believe in right and wrong because you never know the bigger picture um so what might feel wrong right now will actually turn out to be really right later down the line what feels bad right now might turn out to be really good later down the line um, but no, to me, the word content mm -hmm. is very, uh, I don't know, vanilla, I guess. And there's nothing wrong with vanilla. And there's nothing wrong. If you, if you want a content life, then that's not wrong. That's what you want. Me personally, I want, I want excitement. I want joy. I want laughter. Um, to be content, I think, would be very boring in the long term. But that's me, you know, that's not the same for everybody. We're all individuals and that's the yeah. beauty of it. I definitely, I get what you're saying. And I guess maybe my point is that if, and I'm not saying like anything is sustainable, but like, I think that if there's in a sinus wave graph, there's gotta be a middle line. There's gotta be an X axis right somewhere. And then you go above and below that. Mm -hmm. And it's we're constantly above and below or on, you know, whatever. Um, but there's still got to be a a, 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 a state yeah. of rest, I guess. Okay, I don't know. So I guess I guess for me, it's mm -hmm. it's peaceful, actually. I think that is my my middle ground peaceful to be completely peaceful. OK, I'm buying into that. That's. When you say it like that, that's what I'm poorly meant, or that's the feeling that I was going for. I'm at peace with everything. Yeah. 
you know, I still have some sort of feeling like I can say that I feel good about things, but I'm, you know, I don't need to be in, in, in a constant state of joy or happiness. I'm, I'm, I'm at peace. I'm good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I get it. So, cause like if I'm content, I'm not saying I'm good. I guess if I'm peaceful, I'm good. So, all right, I get it. Yeah. Yes. All right. So let's say peaceful is that middle. I'm going to change my vernacular now. Peaceful is my middle line. Not. <laughs> that makes, that makes sense. See, we're solving David's problems today. <laughs> And hopefully we're solving somebody else's. But it's good. So I can change these things in future podcasts when I talk about them. Because I have all sorts of theories. Because obviously, like Chidi, I've read quite a bit. Um, so <laughs> um, that's what we're here to, to uh, talk about. But anyway, um, actually, didn't Chidi teach at a South African university? Did he? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Because in the episode I watched last night, his prof he had a he had a thirty three thousand page paper he was handing in for his dissertation, oh, wow. and his professor, his uh, head professor, just kept telling him to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and Poor then Chidi. and then Chidi says, "All right, I'm gonna go and write a smaller paper." And then the the lead professor, the department head, gets all ecstatic. And then he goes, "Of why I should continue working on this paper?" And he's like, "Get out! <laughs> Get out!" Um, but at the end of that episode, um, Chidi comes to, uh, he wrote down the answer to all things. And the answer to all things is there is no answer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, there is no truth. There is no right. There is no wrong. Yeah. There is no good. There is no bad. It's Which I agree with. Individual. Yeah. But, but, yeah. And that's why when it's my own personal decisions, that's where I go into Chidi mode. And mm. I'm always trying to self-dissect why I'm feeling this way or doing that or whatever. And See, so in that case, I think you should just be led by your joy. What makes you feel more joyful? What decision? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where do you get your joy from? And that's, you know, largely that is determined by, by, um, by the values that we hold and the beliefs that we have and, you know, what's important to us. No, I'll just share this with you. So we um, we have two new dogs because our, our other dogs were quite old. Um, and they took the Rainbow Bridge six months ago, a few months apart. So we have two new dogs. They're both rescues. One is two years old. The other one's six months old. Uh, we got her at eight weeks. Neither one of those two dogs likes when I play the guitar. So I play the guitar less because of those two little furry things that are just like no nah. the one dog is just incredibly scared of any she's just scared of everything and we're working with her um the other one when she gets scared the other one goes crazy because he's trying to figure out why she's scared like i've got to protect ricky tries to protect pearl like you know he's like what's going on what's going on he doesn't even know what's going on so i have to wait until they're you know with my daughter or something so I can play, but uh, that would bring me happiness if they would appreciate my guitar playing like the other dogs did. <laughs> you see, well, maybe what they really need is, you know, sort of, um, what's it called? Acclimatization. So you need to play it more for them. 
<laughs> oh, true, true. The other thing is, um, well, the one dog has storm anxiety, so my and he sleeps with my daughter, so uh, she'll play him. Um, she likes to play classical music for him to help calm him down and stuff. And so he does not like peaceful guitar, but he loves peaceful piano. The dog just loves peaceful <laughs> piano, and the other dog loves Christmas music. Oh wow! <laughs> so I'm just uh, we're just going to keep the Hallmark Channel on 24/7 here, and we'll just watch Christmas movies all year round. <laughs> And then the dogs can be a piece and I'll <laughs> maybe play the soundtrack in the background. I don't know. And then we'll all have a family harmony. <laughs> um, so we've got, so we've got, how does somebody find their, let, jumping back in. Thank mm-hmm. you for that little segue. But jumping back in, how does one find, truly find their passion? So there's things that people can be passionate about for fleeting moments in time. Mm-hmm. How do they recognize the difference between a pattern of passion versus um, an endorphin rush? <laughs> okay, so again, I, I teach my clients, I'm all about being led by the emotions, being led by the energy. Um, and I think that it's normal for passions to come and go. You know, what we were passionate about when we were 14 years old isn't necessarily our passion now. And I think that that is normal. And I think it's all learning. But you know your passion, you know a true, true passion when you are just engulfed by it, when all you want to do is research more about it. You just want to learn more about it. You want to do it all the time. You, you know, you can do it for like hours and hours and hours and it feels like 15 minutes has passed where you can, you know, work late into the day, late into the night, sorry, um, go to bed and wake up still really, really excited about doing that thing. So that's where all the energy and the emotion comes into it. You know that you're onto a passion, a true passion, when you are, you know, sort of almost entering obsession with it, where it's on your mind all the time, where just thinking about it lights you up. Yeah, that's how you know whether, you know, you're actually properly passionate about a partner that you, you might have, or whether it's just, you know, something fleeting. Because if you, if just the thought of them makes you smile, then, you know, there's, there's more to it than just, a, yeah, they're cool. Yeah. Mm. I didn't even think about the applications towards getting a partner. Um, but it's all the same thing because yeah. it's all connection. Whether you're connecting with, um, with uh, like a physical activity or a job or whatever, or a person, it's, it's all connection. It's all energetic connection. So something that lights you up is what you're supposed to be doing in inverted commas. What if that thing that lights you up doesn't help you sustain uh, a, a living? What if you can't do that all the time? So, uh, for example, somebody who likes to make um, structures out of toothpicks, I don't know, very, you know, perhaps that there's not a big market for that. I don't know, I just made that up. This is how this rolls, Janet. I just throw stuff yeah. out there that comes to my head. <laughs> so, um, what, what does that person it, do? Does okay, that so mean... Who's to say- there isn't a big market for that well now i'm gonna have to google that later and if anybody's out there and you do that i apologize ahead of time but uh i don't know i don't i guess i don't see that because i don't i mean you don't often see a lot of those in everybody's house right 
well yeah true but you know I mean like when I started making cakes because like I say I used to be a luxury cake designer um, and you know and I got to the top of my field doing that you know I was like I was making cakes for people getting married at the Ritz Hotel and Connaught and in Mayfair you know I was like in all the wedding magazines on wedding tv and you know mm-hmm. full full thing um and I was told well nobody's going to pay for making cakes you know like you'll get like 40 quid but I sold my cakes for literally thousands and thousands of pounds. And nobody thought that people would, you know, like in my circle of, of friends, like the thought of me charging 2,000 pounds for a birthday cake was completely off the wall to them. But there's a market for that. There's a market. If you have, if you have a thought, if you have an idea, if you have an ambition to do something, there is always somebody somewhere that will appreciate that and will pay you for it it's just a case of of actually opening yourself up to allow that to happen because often again we're taught to be realistic and you know one person's realism is not the same as somebody else's realism you know like Fabergé eggs they go for ridiculous amounts of money yeah and if somebody decorated an egg you'd think well (laughs) not going to pay you for that but it's the same thing. It's a decorated egg. <laughs> True. You know? True. So is the so let's say you've got your passion and it's mm-hmm. just um if you're passionate about it and you so it's just a matter of finding that market and then tapping into it and going. Yeah. And being led by your intuition. Because you know, we I believe that we are all part of um, like universal energy, infinite intelligence, and we are all connected, every single one of us. Mm-hmm. So, if you're thinking something, if you want something, then something wants that, and something wants you. So, is that like the law of attraction kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a it's all of the laws. Yeah. So, law of attraction, law of awareness, law of vibration, <laughs> all of them. Yeah, I just talked to somebody a couple of weeks ago about the. He was very big into the vibrational. Yeah. Um, Jack Murray, he's in Australia. He was very big on uh, vibrational. Um, well, what did you he... know, we are all energy. Mm-hmm. It's you know been proven beyond any reasonable doubt now that we are all energy, and energy reacts to energy. You know, so our mm-hmm. natural state is to be happy our natural state is to be at peace our natural state is to be completely abundant and to be doing what we want to be doing to be living rather than existing that is our natural state to be joyful um and yeah and you can only do that by following the joy following the emotion following the energy what would you say to somebody who um I have a feeling I know the answer to this, but I know that there's people out there listening. I know a few of them because, you know, obviously friends and family listen to the show. So I know there's a few of them that are unhappy with their current career choice. They're working a job because the job equals enough to put money on their table, but they're not really succeeding. They just go into work. They phone it in. They're just doing it. So how do you break the rut? How do, how did the, how did those people break the rut? Other than buying my book, of course, which will teach you. <laughs> well, which, absolutely. Um, um, yeah, so, you know, I'm, okay, so there are many, many people who, 
who have the belief that you know if you're in that situation then start your own business throw it throw it all in put yourself on the line get out of your comfort zone which is really a safety zone um i don't i don't subscribe to that because i think that there is nothing worse than not knowing where your next meal meal is coming from or you know not knowing how to pay the mortgage or the rent or whatever um so yes stay in your job but find your passion find the thing outside of your job that lights you up and from that when you when you can go into this state of awareness and and happiness and um and joy then other things will come to you but they'll only come to you if you're open to to receive them yeah uh that's like one of my favorite sayings is the when the student is ready the teacher reveals themselves yeah. and it's really true it's like spookily true <laughs> No, that is true because like if you're not open, that's really what you said is if you're not open to something, the experience, the learning, the if you're mm -hmm. not open to it, you're never going to be ready for it. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you're closed off to it and then it comes and then you're just like. Eh. Well, you, you literally don't see it. True. Um, there's, there's, there's a part in your brain called the reticular activating system. Um, and its main job is to um, to filter out all the things that it thinks you're not interested in yeah so if you have it in your head that you want to see white cars you're really into seeing white cars all you want to see is white cars then when you go out and about all the white cars will suddenly jump out at you and you'll notice oh my god there's white cars everywhere and it's not that those white cars haven't been there before they've always been there it's just you haven't given your brain you haven't given your um, unconscious self um, the instruction to point them out to you yeah yeah. So, like unless, when, you're in, unless you're second? in Houston, unless you're in Houston, well, Texas, and every car is just by default white, <laughs> is that right? Because of the sunshine <laughs> and the you know the white a white okay. car on a sunny day is the coolest car. However, I do agree with you because I didn't notice white cars until I moved down here. Right. Okay. <laughs> See, maybe in Houston that you need you need a different colored car to look out for. Yeah, that would definitely cause people to to, to stick out when you have a different colored car. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't. But, you don't. You're not even aware that these these opportunities. There are always, always opportunities. So, what was the name be, of that system? The reticulated Python. Oh, the reticular or? activating system. It's in your brain. I'm not sure where. So this explains. Um, so I I've read uh, something, and I always say that I'm going to find the article and post it. But uh, it was MIT or Harvard or Oxford. One of the, you know. Uh, Ivy League schools proved that there's no such thing as luck, that luck is a perceived uh, notion because the person who uh, constantly sees themselves as lucky will mm -hmm. be lucky and the person who yeah. constantly perceives themselves to be unlucky will be unlucky. And I think yeah. you just gave the credibility to what I've been saying because I've been too lazy to go find the actual article because <laughs> you described exactly what I was I've been talking about yeah no it's absolutely true you you become your beliefs yeah so if, if you think that you can't be happy you will never be happy because you've instructed your brain to find out and point out all the things that make you unhappy yeah if you like you said with the luck yeah there is no such thing as luck it's it's all awareness which is the law of awareness so all I, awareness. I, I just have a few questions for you let's 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 okay. let's talk about janet for a moment shall we <laughs> so how did you 
how did you turn the corner? Because you said you were depressed. So, and, and this is my, and this is just my perceptions, which is why I want you to dispel them. Because okay. um, when young David was out in the world, his dream was to be a pastry chef. I wanted to be a pastry chef. I worked in a restaurant, a um, couple of restaurants doing various positions just to try to, you know, learn more about it. Uh, while, while I was in uh, high school, trying to figure out where I wanted to go to, um, to uh, college or university. And then I met a chef and he was like, don't do it. It doesn't pay any money. Right. Uh, and back then it was really difficult. That was before we had the, the breakthrough with like Duff and his cakes and all of these great things. And people were doing just amazing things with cakes and people were like, and then Buddy the Elf or whatever his name is in New Jersey. Um, the cake boss, you know, they do things and people pay for those. And they're, they're, they're spectacular. Like I, and I have no doubt that when I Google you and I'm going to search for your cakes that I will be like blown away. Like that would, that was my dream. So like, I still like to bake. Um, I don't bake anymore because of my sugar problem, because like I love to just taste and eat everything that I bake and my uh, metabolism doesn't really uh do well with with all that sugar and i don't want to look like the pillsbury doughboy so um <laughs> i've stopped that so like in in my mind like you were living the dream like you were like that top pastry mm -hmm. chef you were there how possibly mm -hmm. could that not be like an endorphin rush you got to make the cakes taste the batter deliver mm -hmm. them see the looks on people's faces yeah. you got all the accolades you were you could have been in, on the great British baking show, but you were like, nope, I'm moving yeah. on. I've got this other thing going on, which is awesome. And you're doing awesome there. But how did you turn the corner? Like what, what I, I, it helped me out. Okay. Well, it, it basically killed me. <laughs> well, it tried to kill me. It didn't oh, kill that's me. I'm not still good. No, no. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, I was, I was at the top of my career. I really was. Um, and yeah, I used to, <sighs> So I got to be, you know, where I was in my, in my luxury cake business through just following my intuition. And this is before I learned anything about intuition, about law of attraction or any of that jazz. I was literally just playing. I was doing what felt good. I was connecting with people. People would just come into my life and that would, you know, lead to other things, which is, you know, what led to all the magazines um, and all of that. Um, and I was, yeah, literally just, just playing, playing. And then I had an interview for a luxury magazine and they were like, okay, so where did you train? Who did you train under? And I was like, no, I didn't. I didn't, you know, I'm just, I just make it up as I go along really, you know, cause I used to invent all the recipes as well. Uh -huh. So people would say that they wanted a particular sort of cake and then I would create the recipes and then we tweak them together because it was a very, very high end service, like I say. Um, and that, that, got put into my head so okay oh gosh you know maybe how did I get here oh god uh okay and that sort of sowed a little seed of doubt and then um my ex-husband that was my husband then he was you know uh he was never truly supportive of my success because he had some jealousy issues going on there um and so he was constantly you know sort of having a bit of a downer on my business as well and that just put more pressure on as well and I became this absolute um, control freak. Um, I overworked to such an extent that, you know, I le regularly used to work 36 hours on the trot. So from like Thursday to Saturday. 
um, because I was, you know, this incredible perfectionist, um, which is all about control. And I started coming coming at my business from a different different angle. So where before I was just led, I was led by my passion. I was led by my my purpose of creating these fantastic cakes. Now I came from a place of pushing to prove that I was worthy of being where I was. Um, you know, like imposter syndrome came in and all of that jazz. Um, and through overworking and through the stress that I had manufactured for myself in my brain, um, I developed a digestive disorder. Mm. Um, and so one day um, I just started, it was about 18 months after winning a, um, a Precious Business Award. I just started throwing up one day. And uh, then the next day I threw up again. A couple, you know, next day after that I threw up twice. Um, and it just carried on like that for five years nearly. Um, I had to close my cake business because, you know, I was literally just vomiting constantly. Um, you know, the sort of the, one of the highlights, if you like, of that was um, I went to um, a consultation with um, a family whose daughter was getting married at the Savoy Hotel in London. It's, mm -hmm. again, one of the big, big hotels. I'm sure mm -hmm. you've heard of it. Yes. Um, and I vomited I vomited on the clothes that I was about to wear and so I had to change and then I got to the to her house um you know we're doing all the cake tasting and then I had to excuse myself and vomit in her toilet um and then I had to come home and I vomited again it was like I just cannot do this um you know so I had to close my cake business I got um I got in with the um, most eminent um, professor of gastro gastroenteritis gastroenteritis no gastro what's the word gastroenterology no the word thank you yeah <laughs> the most you know eminent gastroenterologist thank you in the country um, Professor Epstein of um, Royal Free Hospital and we did all the tests under the sun um, and. Eventually, um, I got diagnosed with having a digestive disorder with the symptoms of gastroparesis, um, which is kind of, um, the, the literal translation is paralyzed stomach. Um, and through further tests, we figured out that there was no electrical signal going from my brain into my stomach. Um, so food was going into my stomach and then my stomach was going, yeah, I have no idea what to do with this. I'm just going to give it back out. Mm -hmm. um yeah and so and there was no cure for it so i was on experimental drugs i was on experimental devices um that put um energy electric into my vagus nerve in my neck um, and that sort of helped for a little while and then it stopped working as well um and the prognosis was a slow death by starvation um, i didn't expect to to live to my son's 10th birthday he's 13 now um, and yeah, and you know, and it was awful. And I got all my affairs in order because prognosis was dying. And that's how come I'm now living in Cornwall because um, we moved out of the London area down to Cornwall because Cornwall is very, very beautiful. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to pop off this mortal coil, then you might as well pop off from somewhere lovely. <laughs> exactly, um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, so, um, Thankfully, after getting all my will in order, getting you know provision for my children, my husband left us while we well well while I was waiting for brain scan results, which left my then eleven year old daughter to look after um, both me and her little brother. 
um, then I found a chiropractor because I had to start thinking outside of the box. I didn't have a choice, you know. I sort of, on the one hand, I'd accepted, yeah, I'm not going to be here anymore. This is it, you know. I'm just going to slowly, slowly starve away. Um, but on the other hand, I was like, well, you know, like, I can't leave my kids like this. There's got to be another way. There's got to be another way. Um, so I went in searching different remedies, really, and came across a chiropractor who cracked my back. Um, on the sixth session, um, she cracked my back and I went to sleep that night and I woke up in the middle of the night um, with the most intense headache on the side of my head and it felt like electricity going up an oak tree into branches and it just went bzz, 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 like that for about 20 mm -hmm. seconds 20 30 seconds uh, and then I was like oh my god um, fell back to sleep again um, but I woke up the next morning um, free from pain for the first time in you know over four and a half years um, and it was incredible it really was just unbelievable and then it took another few months so um that was 9th of may 2016 that um she cracked my back and then i was sick with my condition for the last time on august the 9th 2016 um and yeah i just knew then that life is amazing and more people needed to realize it and that's how I got into coaching. Um, you know, like it would have originally been my um, intention to take a year off and just be alive and be well and, you know, just hang out with my kids. But because I'm an entrepreneur and you just can't stop me, <laughs> right? I'd like started a business within a couple of months. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you didn't take on the pressures of the tent. I hear the tent can be overwhelming. So I'm glad that that didn't take place. So I, pre I, I rescind all of that, that I was encouraging you to go on that show. Don't ever do it. Um, but that's that. I mean, what my story, I think one of the, one of the major things that I learned through my story um, is that when you come from a place of being led by the vision of the life that you want to live life is really easy it really is you can easily get to the top of your career you can easily get whatever you want when you are drawn by the vision of what you want um, but as soon as that switches around and you start pushing to to prove your worth because you know we're all born worthy we don't have to prove that we're born winners you know but we're not taught that and i think that's where all of this comes from um, because I, I know, I know it 110%. Why do you think that we're not taught that as children? Uh, where, where's the disconnect between the grown-ups and, and childlike ambition? Yeah, and I think that's it. You know, it is childlike ambition. And I definitely built my career on childlike ambition, childlike, you know, having fun. Um, I think we're taught... I think we're just taught it all wrong. We're taught that life is a, a competition instead of a collaboration. We're taught that, you know, there's only a finite amount of resources. And so you better get what you deserve um, before the other guy does. And it's, I, I just don't believe that that's the way that life is supposed to be. And, and it is, it comes from a place of lack. You know, the people who teach you that you have to be cutthroat, that, you know, um, that you have to win no matter what that comes from a place of of their own insecurities of feeling that unless they unless they keep people other people down then you can't rise to the top 
but if we all rise together then we'll all get there you know um i put a post out on facebook earlier actually about you know saying that if we all just collaboration is the way forward rather than competition um and a friend of mine who runs a, a well he runs like a ski resort type place in um in france and he said that's the way it is on the mountains everybody works together because you know if there's an avalanche then everybody has to work together to get those people out you know and like it's a resort so everybody has to work together um and when we work in that way when we when we recognize that we are all part of one being then life is easier life is happier life is more joyful it's only when we start comparing ourselves to other people because we feel that somehow they're taking away from us that you know the jealousy and the anxiety and the stress comes in but when we realize that we don't have to live that way that maybe that's just a story that we don't have to believe then you know life changes when we change our perception when we change the way we look at things everything we look at changes who was it said that wayne dyer i think said that mm -hmm. i like dr dryer um the something so earlier this year i talked to dr lisa akole um she's a um a collaboration specialist that's like what her doctorate's and that's what she studies and she we talked about how collaboration isn't uh, true collaboration isn't easy if you're truly collaborating people don't really understand what collaboration is they think they're doing it but they're not but one thing that i want to know from you is like why why don't people see the good in collaboration why do they see good in competition and why is collaborating so difficult? Well, collaborating so difficult because um, because everybody wants their fair share in inverted commas. That's that. I think that's why people find collaborating difficult. So if if you feel that somebody else is getting more than you, then it, it triggers all the you know all the upbringing upbringing stories that you've been brought with that says we, sh we are in competition with each other. And the reason that um, people believe they are in competition is because that is what we've been taught. It's just a story, you know? And like I said earlier, um, a belief is, is just a thought that you've thought a thousand times. So, you know, we keep hearing that life is a competition. We keep hearing that there's not enough. And that, that becomes our belief system. But when you tell yourself a different story, when you tell yourself, you know, it doesn't matter if Joe Bloggs over there um, has more than me because that's just an indication of what I can have. Yeah, it doesn't matter that, you know, in this collabor collaboration, um, you know, Susie Sue over there um, actually benefits more from this one because I know that in the next one, in the next collaboration, then I might, you know, get more because it's, it's all you know law of compensation mm -hmm. give and take you know everything that you put out into the world you do get back in some form or another and when you can see the bigger picture like that then you you don't get so hung up on the on the you know the immediate lack when you come from a place of, of true abundance, when you just recognize, yeah, there really is abundance in the world. And in, you know, the right timing, I'm going to get everything. Yeah, so what you're saying is that the, the one term that came up while you were talking in my head was survival of the fittest. Yeah. And that 
you know, we are taught that from a very young age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we are. And in biology class, and then that goes through into uh, gym class or physical education, right? And when you get the dodgeball, you, okay, survival of the fittest. Yeah. But, but I mean, if you could, uh, honestly, you can win. So my kids both played soccer or football, depending on what your, mm -hmm. you know, country you're in. Um, the, so I coached, uh, I assistant coach, like my son was um, on several travel teams and I was an assistant coach. I wasn't, I didn't have the time to be a full coach, but I also, I coached my daughter's recreational team and my son was on a rec team just for fun because the competition teams are competitive, you know, on the rec teams, you can have a lot of fun. But when he was um, very little, one of his rec teams, before he got into travel soccer and like he made the team and, and all that, we he was on the bad team and I was the head coach of that bad team and, you know, like had out all the air quotes uh, or inverted commas or whatever you want to call them, the, the poor players. But there was this one team, it really, it wasn't. I mean, they were just normal kids. But there was this one team that had all the good players. And they just yeah. dominated everything. But uh, they, they dominated everything. And they were ruthless about it. And they were, you know, those mean-spirited kids. But mm -hmm. at the end of the season, we had one final show-off against them. But I got the kids on our team. We worked together quite a bit. We worked on our collaboration. We played to our strengths. And we uh, tied them. And that was the, we were the first team that tied them in years. Um, everybody was ecstatic. I, I'm still, I still like to talk about that. Cause like we yeah. tied them. No, nobody had ever tied them. Nobody had ever scored a goal on them. And we did. So, um, and the reason we did that is because I got the kids to collaborate. Yeah. They worked as a team. Mm -hmm. They were a whole system against yeah. a team of superstars. Like the, the team of superstars, they would get, the kids were ball hogs. They would just get it and they were big enough and yep. fast enough that they could just take the ball down the field and just score. Well, mm -hmm. our kids moved as an entire organism. We didn't have the size or the strength or the speed, but as the organism, we were able to tie. And I'm sure that, you know, as we, um, that actually that year, uh, Max went into travel. So I stopped doing that team, but I'm sure the next year we would have come back and if I'd had all those kids, we would have done even better. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. why don't adults do that? Why, why don't we, because I see that in my, my day job, I see that quite a bit, where if we could just truly be open and collaborate and put our egos at the door, which is one mm -hmm. of our core tenants from one of our, our uh, executives, that's what she likes to say is leave your ego at the door. And I love that the energy she brings, I really do. But people don't, they refuse to bring their egos, leave their egos at the door. It's always mm -hmm. like, well, you're get your fork away from my piece of pie. Well, yeah. You know, there's only one piece of pie on the table. Yes. And that's the thing, see, but life isn't just one piece of pie. You know, money isn't just one piece of pie. Money is ever expanding. Um, and well, adults do it because they've done it. They've been taught to do it as children. That, that's why adults do it. It's, it's, it's ingrained. It's an ingrained belief that you can, you know, you get to the top by tread, treading on the people below you. But I'm hoping, I'm very hopeful that, you know, the world is changing and we are seeing a lot more 
um, collaboration. We are seeing a lot more people just helping everybody. But for some reason, I've just got this image in my brain of, of um, a raft, <laughs> a raft mm-hmm. crossing a river. Yeah. So, you know, you've got like a group of people and yeah, you know, the strongest ones can just swim across, but they'll, they'll leave, you know, the little kids on the, on the bank. Whereas if everybody, if everybody builds a raft, then everybody can get across the river. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to be doing rather than, you know, saying, right, well, I'm really strong. I'm just going to leave you behind. I don't think that's the way that the world is going. Hopefully not. I hope not, but I mean, I do see it. So it's, I think what, to put it in different terms, what I think I'm realizing is that people have been rewarded for their behaviors Mm -hmm. and they fail to see that adapting and changing those behaviors into a bigger way, meaning moving from individual achievements to group achievements can achieve more yeah absolutely yeah and you can you can always achieve more with you know with more with more energy (laughs) with more brain power with yeah with more more contribute contribution from others you can always always you know extend extend everything extend your thinking extend your your environment extend everything when you have more input does that make sense it does and i'm just thinking like how do we in the workplace i mean i know that um i think it I starts by celebrating it, other people's achievements because often we we're not taught to do that either we're taught to feel disgruntled if somebody beats you in something you're taught to feel bad about that you're taught that you're you're second oh my god you know you're just a, a bit of rubbish there whereas instead of you know actually actively celebrating somebody else's achievement i think that's that would be a really good place for everybody to start because when we celebrate other achieve other people's achievement then it makes it easier for us to celebrate our own achievements. And often we don't do that either because we're, again, we've been taught, been brought up. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, stop showing off, stop being big headed, um, get on with the next goal. And so when we can really appreciate other people's achievement as, as if it was our own and appreciate our own achievements as well, then I think that that extends the box even bigger of what we are capable of achieving. We just need everybody to get there. Yeah. And it's not going to happen overnight. But it it takes one individual to adopt a new belief system, to adopt a new story, and then to go out into the world and share that, share their new belief. Um, You know, and that's why I'm here. You know, I've I've set this mission to to help um, a million people within my lifetime um to to be happy to create their own happiness we are infinitely powerful people infinitely powerful beings and we don't realize it we don't realize the power we have over everything you know and not just not just money wise not just career wise not just you know family wise but everything you know we have the power to change our bodies we have the power to heal our bodies um and again we're we're constantly told that we have to look outside of ourselves for all of these things instead of inwards. Um, 
So yeah, that's my mission, help a million people create a happier lives for themselves. Interesting, interesting. Uh, I like the, your goal and I have no doubt that you, um, I have no doubt that you'll achieve that. Thank you. Uh, uh, if you haven't already, I mean, you've been doing it, what is it, 2019, you said three years? Yeah, yeah. I have so yeah, that. you've probably already done that and you may not even realize it. So um, yeah. But uh, it's, all, it's all a knock-on effect, you know, if I, if mm -hmm. I can, if I can, you know, put a, a seed of a, a new idea into your brain and then the next person that you speak to, you plant a seed of an idea into their brain, then it all just grows and grows, doesn't it? And that's what I love about it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, if you can get the seed, well, you can plant the seed. Yeah. Intentionally it, or unintentionally. Uh, yeah, hopefully it, 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 hopefully it gets a little sunshine and water in the other mm -hmm. person's brain. Yeah. Yeah. As long as they're open and aware to, to hear it. <laughs> well, that's why we're here. That. Um, yeah. That's why we're both here, I suppose. Uh, me, I'm here to try to dispel common misconceptions that people have, and I, I don't, um, I don't like what social media has done to us, as far as putting misconceptions into people's heads. Because, and, and I want to, if you don't mind, I want to go here for a minute. Yeah. Is that on social media, what I find is there's, and I'm going to generalize to make the point. But there's usually two types of people. The person who posts only positive, happy, awesome stuff and the person who's constantly miserable. <laughs> and those people, I know for a fact, because like I know these people, I talk to them. I know that this person who's on this fantastic vacation, I know the sacrifices they've made to go on that fantastic vacation and they're showing it off because they're happy about it, they're on there. They're not doing it to make you feel miserable. But the perception is that that's the kind of thing they do all the time when it's really not. And conversely, I know that the people who are like constantly, like I call the Eeyores in life, um, they're not, they do have moments, maybe they don't recognize them or, or maybe they're just not right now, I don't know, but they're not, they can't possibly be that miserable all the time. And I feel like social media, especially Facebook with the algorithms that it uses, it feeds you information and it, it constantly is playing to your confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I just don't think it's healthy. What do you, what do you think? How does that play a role on our happiness? Yeah, no, I don't think it's healthy either. I think it's very unhealthy. <laughs> it doesn't give you a, a rounded view and it doesn't give you a rounded opinion of, of, of people in life. Um, and, you know, the people who only post good stuff, only post the happy days rather than, you know, all of the days, I can get that, you know. It's, it's part of... Um, uh, a fear a fear of rejection if they if they really showed you how it was um then you know you might not like them anymore um and that and that for a lot of people is a really really big big fear you know this fear of not being liked of not being accepted um and the people who just complain all the time they you, like i said before you sometimes you just forget what happy feels like you know um and the more you complain, the more you find to complain about. Mm -hmm. um, I set a challenge once of not complaining at all for a week. No, actually, it wasn't a week. It was three days. 
I think a week was, I think I originally suggested a week and everybody went, whoa, no. So I reduced it to three days, right? Go three days without complaining and see just how things change. That's all it takes, three days of no complaining at all. Like not a single complaint, not a, oh my God, look at the weather. Yeah, because that's a complaint, that's complaining about the weather. Well, not complaining about anything at all and your life will change. Um, but we do, we get stuck into a habit. You know, all of this is a habit. It's a habit of only showing your good side. It's a habit of only only complaining, of only seeing the worst. Um, and it is, it's, I don't know. I got a bee in my bonnet yesterday, last mm-hmm. night, um, about, again, in my, in my profession, there are a lot of people that, you know, say things like, um, if you're not doing something that scares you every single day, then you're, you're not pushing your boundaries or, you know, it's, it's, you know, stepping outside of your comfort zone is the thing that you want to do. And, and yeah, it's not that I disagree with that, but I think what, what the point that people miss is that the comfort zone is actually a safety zone. You are in a zone of safety. This is where you feel safe and stepping outside of that feels unsafe. And that is a really big deal. Stepping outside of your normal, normal misery is a big deal because as soon as you get happy, there's parts of your brain that say, hey, hang, when, we're not used to this. This doesn't feel right. Let, let's get miserable again. Because your brain is always constantly trying to bring you back to a state that it feels safe in. So if you've spent, you know, sort of a few weeks, a few months, a few years just being sad, then to be happy is completely abnormal. And your brain will try to get you back to to the safety of misery um and you know all of it, i think social media just stokes stokes fear in people like i say fear of ridicule fear of of not being liked fear of rejection and all of those things um and it's not real i think as soon as you realize that it really isn't real everything is airbrushed in social media Mm -hmm. i mean i try to be as honest as i can but you know if i'm if i'm having a really bad day myself then the last thing i want to do is to go on social media and say hey i'm having a really bad day (laughs) um but what i will probably do um is a few days later when i've come out of my bad day then i'll go back and i'll say okay so you might have noticed i haven't been here because i've been staying away (laughs) Um, but this is what's been happening. And then, you know, and I'll t- tell people how I overcame, came out of my bad day, you know. Um, but it is, it's, it's a very distorted view on life. And like you said, the, the algorithm just feeds us what it thinks we already want to know. Um, and in that, in, you know, in that respect, it, it really is like our brains, because that's what, that's what our brains do too. Mm-hmm. They'll constantly confirm what, what we want it to believe if you know what i mean um so if, you, if you're looking for the bad things you will always find the bad things yeah if you're constantly uh, in tune with bad then you're going to see the bad if yeah. you're constantly looking for um good things you'll see the good things yeah uh, and that's what you're trained to mm-hmm. to see I, I absolutely think that and you know reading like i was saying reading that um article about luck really really profoundly impacted me Um, Mm -hmm. I mean it made such such a lot of uh, sense to me listening to reading that Um, 
because I talk about it a lot, so it must have stuck with me. <laughs> I definitely learned, I, and I, I did. I, I, I mean, I learned from it. I talk about it. Yeah. Uh, it just, it's all, all view change. It is. It's, it, it really is. It, you know, as soon as you change your perspective, everything changes. You know, I've got like um, post-it notes, post-it notes around my house saying things like, "Today is a wonderful day." <laughs> So you can just look at that and you think, oh, I'm not really feeling it, but I'm, I'm going to choose to see the wonder in today. Okay, I'm going to choose to see wonderful things. I'm going to choose to see amazing things. And then you're priming your brain to find all the amazing things for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, um, I, I saw, a, uh, it was a YouTube video um, by somebody, um, and they were, they were recounting a story that they had read in a paper about um, Donald Trump. And Donald Trump allegedly went out onto this balcony um, and people from the street, there was a big crowd in the street um, and they all started booing him. And he turned to the reporter and said, 90% positive, I'll take that. And apparently the, the reporter had it all on, um, on you know, uh, audio. He mm -hmm. recorded it all on audio. And you, according to the reporter, you could clearly hear the booing. But all Donald Trump heard was was cheering he just completely didn't even register the booing and you know and i think that says a lot about about the ability that we have to change our reality um you know without, <laughs> without wanting to talk about politics or donald right. Trump at all. but right. um you know i think that's a, that's just a perfect example of you see what you want to see regardless of what's going on <laughs> that's true no you 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 absolutely see and hear what you want to see and hear. Yeah. Um, and he does. I mean, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about him, although I could. <laughs> but uh, it, he has a remarkable ability to, to tune out the things that he doesn't yeah. want to spend energy on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's thrown them out of his bubble of reality. But we all live in a bubble of our, of reality. Every single one of us, you know, some are more oh, extreme do. than others. But um, yeah, and he is he is an extreme example. But it's good to use. And whether people like him or don't, you know, that's not what Janet and yeah. I are here to talk about. But the point is, is that whether you like him or you don't like him, he is an extreme. He isn't a good example to use in this regard, uh, because often public perception does not meet his perception. Exactly, exactly that, yeah. And the reality is there, you know, perception is reality for, for both sides. Mm -hmm. But um, it's amazing, it's an amazing gift to have. I mean, it can be abused like all gifts, but it is an amazing talent and gift to have. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure that that was honed over many years mm-hmm yeah absolutely which i think and i'm just going to make a statement and, and i'm hoping that you'll agree with me but you don't have to is that everything that we're talking about here is not easy and it takes time and it takes re and i think you've said this a couple times today already it takes repetition mm-hmm absolutely yeah so What's your advice to somebody who's feeling like it's just not taking, it's just not sticking, and they, they, they're starting to go down that familiar road? Um, 
And it's with every day that we get, we get a dawn and we get a dusk and they hit the dusk and they start to get discouraged. How do you give them courage to carry on forward to the new dawn? Okay, so one of the things that um, I recommend doing is having a book of wins. Um, so every night, just before you go to bed, you write down all the things that went well that day. And it doesn't have to be big, you know, you don't have to have won the lottery or got a promotion or whatever. Um, it could just be, you know, Mary from accounting bought me a really lovely uh, cup of tea and I wasn't expecting it. That was a lovely thing that made me smile. And when we do this, especially just before bed, um, we enter all those good, good feelings into our brains again. So as we fall off to sleep, we're more likely to wake up feeling the same way as when we went off to sleep. So instead of going to sleep worrying about all the things that didn't happen, all the things that you didn't get, when you can really focus on the things that you did get, on the, on the joy that you did experience, you know, and even on the worst, very worst of days, there is always at least one thing. There's one thing that you just thought, well, at least this happened. Yeah. If you concentrate and you focus on it, then you will always find that thing. And what my clients have found by doing this is that they have actually then subconsciously gone out looking for the things to write into their book of wins. And, and you know, gradually over time, they realize that they're not waking up worrying anymore. They're not waking up with this sort of with the stress from the day before. They, they are waking up feeling brighter. And starting your day feeling like that carries on it perpetuates throughout your day so yeah that that would be my my advice is to is to find things to to write in a book and then also you've got like this this little journal of when you are feeling down you can go back to and say oh yeah look i, I forgot about that that's really cool and that will bring you back up again yeah that's something that I, I don't know that I've ever talked about on the podcast before, so I appreciate that is um, like one of the things that I do is I, I like to, I am thankful for things. I like to be thankful before I go to bed. I don't write them down, but I just, I do run through them before, um, before the REM cycle sits in, you know, I mentally mm -hmm. go through them. Um, so I'm doing, I, I don't know why I do that. I just do, but uh <laughs> It's a, it's a really good habit to be in. A really good habit. Yeah, I do. I I I, I guess um, I guess that does have some benefits because I just I don't wake up cranky. I mean, there I do go. find I do find the energy to get up at five o'clock every morning. I suppose so. That must be helping. <laughs> um, I don't. Here's what I will say: is that I don't want to. I don't. Um, how do I say this without using double negatives? I do not want to stop doing that to see if the reverse happens because I don't want to be in the reverse. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm going to keep it going. Um, yeah. So can you uh, just remind people and you may want to speak slow and spell things out on where to find you, how to contact you and what the name of your book that they should be buying on Amazon. They should have already be seeking autographed copies at this point because earlier we took a pause for them to go to amazon so we did but remind them again if you don't mind yeah you can get my book which is called habits for happiness um at amazon and make sure it's the yellow one with the blue cover because there's another book with a very similar name and it's not that one so it's yellow book 
um, yellow book with a, a blue circle with Habits for Happiness written on it. And you can get that from Amazon. Um, you can also find me on my website, which is JanetMohappyBanksCoaching.com. And you can find me on Facebook, Janet Mohappy Banks. Right. For those of us at home that might not like to spell in public, that's M-O-H-A-P-I. And is there a hyphen between? There is a hyphen, yeah. Okay. But, I just but, want... not, but not on the website. But There's not no on the website. Okay. It's the website, together. it's all blurred together. Yeah. All right. So I'm hoping people know how to spell Janet. I'm hoping they know how to spell Banks with an S. And now we all know how to spell Mohappy. M-O-H-A-P-I. There we go. <laughs> awesome. Well, is there anything that we didn't cover today that you feel is important that you should get out there that I missed? Missed? I know. I, I've had an absolute ball chatting with you. I've really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for being on the show. I love uh, this gives me the opportunity to talk to many, many people throughout the world, and it never ceases to amaze me. Uh, the listenership that I have, and I'm grateful for each and every one of you. Um, because I have quite a different format than most podcasts where I put out episodes based on certain topics and it's a take it or leave it kind of thing. Like if somebody doesn't want to listen to that topic, like the topics vary because each guest brings the topic. I don't pick the topic. So if somebody doesn't want to listen to that topic, they don't have to, they can pick up the next one, but still listenership never wanes. So I very much appreciate that. And listenership worldwide is impressive. Um, I'm even starting to get listeners in, in the non-predominantly English-speaking countries, which is strange, mm -hmm. but wonderful. So please, just because I said that's strange, don't take that as a negative. It's a good thing. <laughs> Keep listening. Spread the word. Because, Jana, I don't do any advertising. I literally started this off as a hobby just for me to talk to people and just to get subliminal messages out there. I talk about Randy Pausch a lot. And uh, he was, uh, if you've not watched it, watch the last lecture with Randy Pausch. Okay. Um, cool. If that doesn't put a smile on your, it's, it's, um, it's a kind of a morbid concept because of who he is and what happened. Um, but it, that, that lecture every time just brings a smile to my face that he's able to look at his own mortality and really give such a good message. Awesome. I, yeah, there's something about, you know, believing you're going to die that changes the world. Oh, yeah. Well, so <laughs> I'll just tell you the, 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 the context. So the last lecture is something Carnegie Mellon University does. And it's typically for professors and lectors that are retiring. And they give one last lecture before they retire. Okay. Well, Randy Pausch had pancreatic cancer. He wasn't retiring. Okay. And he was in stage four and it was there, you know, pancreatic cancer. There's no real cure for, I don't believe, but it, it's incredibly aggressive and it's, it's a horrific cancer. Not that any cancer isn't, but you guys get my point. Um, so his last lecture was literally his last lecture. The other people that retire, they're just retiring. He was and did die shortly after that lecture. Mm -hmm. But his message is so positive. Even though, you know, and he talks about his own mortality and his diagnosis and everything and how there's no cure, but he talks about it in such a positive way that if I, I just, I, I have everybody listen to that. Um, oh, well, definitely, definitely, Gina. So, 
anyway, I think you'll, you'll get a lot out of that um, just because I think you'll appreciate him uh, at a different level than, than most people. Um, I forgot why I brought that up. There was a point there earlier on, but then when I talk about Randy, like I just love that lecture so much that it just, anyway. So we know how to spell Mo Happy. Your guys are gonna buy Janet's books. You're gonna contact her via the website because she is a live human being and she will respond. I, I promise. will. Um, I love it. <laughs> I, I was just gonna say, and I have the feeling from talking with Janet for the past hour and so that she actually really enjoys it if people reach out and starts the conversation. I'm just, I'm get. These are all things that I'm just picking up from talking to you for this past hour that you actually enjoy the conversation. I do. Yeah, I love it. So I really she, do. You know, it's all about connection. Absolutely. And so when Janet's out at a book signing, stand in the line, have her sign your book. She'll like it. Talk to her. It's okay. She's, she's good about it. Trust me. We're like BFFs now. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Janet, thank you so much for being here. Um, oh, thank you. I appreciate your time today. Cheers. <laughs>